Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, the nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. Hello. Welcome back to an Amber a Day, the functional nutrition podcast. I always have to start these things two or three times before I actually settle on how I'm going to get this podcast going because... I don't know. Every time I start recording, I say something really dumb. So I'm like, okay, starting over. Hello. Welcome. Glad that you're here. If you've been a longtime listener, thank you so much for listening. If you love the podcast, please leave us a review. We are really needing more reviews lately. And if it's your first time listening, I hope that you find something here that brings value to your life. Today's topic is a highly requested one. I get a lot of questions on how I became a functional nutritionist, how I built a private practice in this. A lot of people wanting to get into the field just have a lot of questions about how I um, got into it and how I make it work. And I am very much of the mindset that collaboration is important in a field like this. Um, I'm fully aware that there are limits to my capabilities. So I am not one of these people who's trying to grab up all the attention and all the clients for myself. I definitely don't want all the clients for myself because I, um, if you know anything about human design, which if you don't, okay, I'm like really fascinated by human design and astrology and stuff. It's like one of my little side hobbies. But anyway, in human design, I'm what's called a projector and projectors are people who are, uh, that, that are naturally, you know, gifted at giving advice and wisdom, helping other people through their life paths, but also get drained really, really easily. And that is definitely true for me. I like, there's only so much I can do. So with that in mind, I really like talking to up and coming nutritionists, up and coming functional uh, medicine professionals and kind of giving them my thoughts and my story. Uh, But lately I've been getting a lot more questions than usual on this. And I thought, well, maybe it would be a good idea instead of having to type everything out on Instagram DMs um, to just make a podcast about it and kind of tell you my whole story of how I got started and how I got to where I am today. Because uh, I know it can be really intimidating when you're thinking about going into private practice, especially because it's not just, you know, the whole, you have to learn how to do nutrition well. It's like, also, you have to learn how to run a business. And that is really, really complex. Um, I do like talking about this. And just so that everyone knows, I do book one-on-one sessions for like mentorship. If you ever want to pick my brain for an hour. Um, I do that separately from my client programs and I occasionally will open up a spot here or there to somebody who's really interested, students, things like that. So if you ever want to, you know, pay me for an hour of my time and, and one-on-one pick my brain, um, that is an availability for you. You can reach out through my website, but most of you obviously are new to the profession, um, maybe still in school and I know budgets are tight. Um, and you may not have have the 
ability to do that. And that is totally fine. So I want to do this podcast to just answer a lot of the questions that I normally get and give the story that I normally give. So that is the, (laughs) that's the lead up. Um, so in order to kind of really start this story, it it is a long story. So I'm just going to warn you that I may ramble a bit. I mean, whenever anybody talks about their like their life story, right? People can talk on and on and on about themselves and I can fully do that. So some of my nutrition related podcasts that are like very, very sciencey, I'm like, okay, straight to the point. Let's talk about this. Let's end it in 45 minutes. When it comes to talking about myself, all bets are off friends. So we're just going to have a conversation and, uh, and I hope you enjoy it. But if you're not ready for, uh, if you're not ready to listen to me, talk about myself. This is not the podcast for you. So let's go backwards. um, And let me tell you a little bit about myself before I became a nutritionist. So uh, I graduated from high school in 2007. Uh, I am currently uh, 33 years old. I'll be 34 in November. And so after school, I, I really never had a vision of like who I wanted to be or what I wanted to do. I only knew one thing, which was that I knew I wanted to help people, but I just like really didn't know how. Um, but I kind of always felt like there was something important for me to do. I felt like there was a calling for me. I know some people don't have that feeling. Some people go through life and their work is not their calling, right? Maybe parenthood is their calling or maybe their, um, I don't know, their volunteer work or whatever. There are a lot of different things that can be your calling or you cannot have a calling at all. I don't know, but I always felt like I had one and it was really, really frustrating and um, upsetting to me at that age that I didn't know what it was. And I went a long time um, as, as well. It wasn't that long, but it felt like a long time at the time because everything feels like forever when you're that age. But I went a long time before I kind of figured out what I wanted to do. Uh, and so out of high school, I went to college. I got a bachelor's degree, kind of jumped around between majors. I ended up settling on uh, Spanish and political science. So I have a bachelor's degree in Spanish and a minor in political science. Um, I double majored for a while, but I dropped out of the double major because I did not want to take a statistics class that I was just absolutely afraid of. And I think this is an important point. I'm not bringing it up for no reason, but the important point is I was kind of not great at math and by extension science growing up. And so I thought that those were not skills for me. I thought I was meant to do something more literary, more, um, maybe collaborative. Like I, I thought some later on about becoming a counselor, therapist. Um, I always wanted to be a writer growing up. That was really something that like my dream was to write a book and, um, to be an author and kind of get to like, go to coffee shops and have like a pretty office and just like sit on my computer and type and, and write things. Um, that was really, really the only kind of solid thing that I knew that I wanted to do. And I held on to that, but I always felt it was kind of impractical. Um, but math and science were not strong suits for me. And so, uh, especially later on when I started becoming interested in nutrition, I let that hold me back for a long time. Cause I thought, you know, I mean, I don't know if I'll be able to like pass these courses. I don't know if I'll actually be good at this and I don't want to start something that I'm going to fail at. So, you know, my first piece of advice that I always give to students or to people who are interested in the field, but are 
kind of afraid, you know, they're testing the waters, but they're really not sure is don't hold yourself back from something that you really want to do. If you really like something, even if you weren't great in school before that point, or you hadn't really settled on something, or you feel like, Hey, I'm not really good at science. If you're really interested and passionate about something, then you will do what you need to do to learn it. I really believe that. Um, and then if it doesn't end up being the right thing for you, you'll have no regrets because at least you tried, right? I think the biggest place where people often have regrets in life is when they don't kind of put themselves out there and do something crazy, like do something that they really wanted to do. That's their, what do they say? There's no mistake. There's no failures, only, um, opportunities or something like that. Anyway, you know what I'm saying? It's like, you can't make a mistake in life, right? You just try different things. And if it doesn't work out, it's like, okay, well, I tried it and now I'm going to do something different. So I didn't think I was good at math and science majored in Spanish and political science and very grateful that I did that. I learned a lot of stuff that I used later. I did a lot of speech and debate in college and I was really good at that. And that, that taught me, you know, public speaking skills and it taught me to develop a sort of, uh, external shell, I guess, a confidence that even though I am actually a very kind of shy person by nature, uh, I'm able to pretend I'm not shy <laughs> in order to like put myself out there, like how I do on social media and stuff. Like, trust me, it fills me with like intense fear whenever I post a TikTok video. But I also have just kind of forced myself out of my comfort zone with that year after year, and it gets easier and easier with time. So that's something I started doing then that I'm grateful for. It wasn't until I was around, uh, I was like in my early 20s that I started even thinking about nutrition. At the time when I was in college, I actually thought nutrition was like kind of a joke. I had, I tell the story a lot, but I had a really good friend in college, one of my best friends. We were roommates our junior and senior year. Uh, we went to Spain together to study when we were, we were both Spanish majors. So we were very close and she had some issues with gluten intolerance. And that was right at the beginning of the sort of gluten-free movement. I don't know if you guys remember that, but for, for a while it was like, uh, everybody wanted to be gluten-free, right? And I sort of felt like, she was exaggerating or she was in her head about it. Um, I mean, she was my, my close friend, so I knew she wasn't lying. Uh, but I also felt like, you know, really does gluten-free really make a difference? I, mean, I don't know if it's like psychosomatic or whatever, but she was such a, an example to me. Like I remember watching her eat and she would eat salads for lunch at the school cafeteria. And I'd be like, why is she eating salads when we can eat hamburgers <laughs> or when we can have cereal or whatever? I did not have a good diet. I struggled all through college and my early twenties with like major bout, well, even in childhood with major bouts of hypoglycemia, like I would have to eat something or I'd like feel like I was going to pass out. Um, I just had no idea what was going on with me. I struggled with like, I would gain weight really fast every year during college. I would gain a lot of weight, about 30 pounds or so at the beginning of the school year. And then I wouldn't get it off again until the summer when I could like, uh, basically I wouldn't eat over the summer very much and I would do a lot of exercise. So it was like just this really unhealthy pattern. And I remember watching her and kind of being inspired by her and also intimidated by her because I couldn't understand how she liked vegetables. I just thought they were so disgusting. And, um, so she was kind of my first like little, 
inspiration in the nutrition realm. And that's important because I think in order for you to understand where I'm coming from as a nutritionist and why I'm so passionate about the work that I do, you have to know that I wasn't really like, I didn't really grow up eating well. Um, I didn't place a big focus on nutrition. I had issues with weight. I had issues with skin tags. I had issues with insulin resistance. I had all the PCOS symptoms. Like I was, I wasn't this person like some, you know, maybe dietitians that you've seen who, you know, they they were born thin and they just like had no problems with nutrition and they like, they love vegetables and, and they just want to share that love with other people. No, I, I battled for this. Like I struggled to be where I am now and I still have a long ways to go. Um, life is a learning healing process, but I'm very proud of what I've done and the work that I've done. And I'm very proud of the work that I do as a nutritionist. And, um, I really credit her for giving me that like initial inspiration, but I let that kind of slide for a couple of years. Um, and then it was in my early twenties, I, I got married very young. I think we were 22 when we got married, my husband and I, and, um, we moved to Lubbock, Texas. And my first job out of college, I, um, I did, a residency as a chaplain at a hospital. And it was kind of, it seems totally random and it kind of was random, but at the time I, I still like I had graduated. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And I spent a whole summer just kind of like sitting at home in this apartment. We had very little money. Like we were living off of, um, like less than $30,000, uh, a year. And so I had, you know, very little money to kind of do anything. Um, basically I could just go to the grocery store and I had to really pinch my pennies about like what I would buy. And, um, and I stayed at the house a lot and got really depressed and realized, you know, I, I don't do well like that. Like I can't just lay around and, um, do nothing all the time. It's bad for my mental health. So I started thinking that maybe I needed to get some sort of job or um, volunteer or do something just to get out of the house. And my dad at the time was a chaplain. Um, and so that's where the inspiration for that came from. He said, well, why don't you go to the hospital and see if they might have some volunteer positions or something, you know, just something that you could do, help other people and, and whatever. So I went, um, <laughs> I went and they were, uh, that it happened to be that same day that they were, um, they were looking for another resident to complete their sort of chaplaincy program for the year. It was like this thing where you became a, you were like a student, but you also did work as a chaplain. So you were assigned a floor of the hospital and you'd have to go in. And if people wanted, you know, prayer or, um, they wanted to talk to somebody or whatever, you would be there. Right. So, um, it's just, <laughs> it's funny thinking back on this. Cause it's like, so I don't know, it's just an alternate, almost an alternate universe for me, but I did that. Um, I ended up getting that job, even though I had no like spirituality training or anything. <laughs> um, so I did that for a, for almost a year and kind of was thinking about going and getting my MDiv. My dad has an MD, a master's of divinity. Um, it's like a theology degree. I, you know, I thought about that and realized, no, that's not really for me. And so my next thing was I got hired as a, um, a recruiter for a foster care, um, for children's protective services, actually. So I worked in, uh, that's kind of what got me into the foster care adoptions field. And I worked in that field for, um, 
I think about five more years before I actually left to become a nutritionist. So nutrition is really a second career for me. And who knows what the future holds? This may not be my forever career. I think it will be, but I always hold room and space for things to change because I recognize the profound changes that I've gone through as a person just over the last 30 years. Um, and I know that there are more to come. But when I was working in the foster care adoptions field, um, I just sort of felt like it wasn't quite right. Um, I was good at it. I liked my coworkers. Um, I had a lot of fun during those years. I think those were some of the most fun times of my life. There was this, uh, the year like 2013, 2014 were just amazingly fun years. I had this huge group of friends that we worked together at this agency and, uh, I'm still friends with some of them today. In fact, some of these people are holistic practitioners now or counselors with private practices and holistic health. And we bonded back then. And so it's been fun to watch all these people kind of grow up and take their own path, but we had the best time during those years. It just didn't feel like it was quite right. And it was during all this time that I started really worrying about my own health. And for the first time in my life, I kind of was like, not just concerned about the fact that I wanted to lose weight or I wanted to look a certain way, but I was also concerned about like, why, why do I not feel good? Why am I so tired all the time? I was just really, really tired all the time. I remember one summer I uh, nannied for these kids and I could just like barely keep my eyes away, uh, open watching them. And it's in such stark contrast to the way I am now with my son, because yeah, I mean, he tires me out. Don't get me wrong, but, uh, I also have energy to, to do things with him in a way that I never did before. So I started worrying about myself. I also started getting a little bit worried because I learned more about what PCOS was. I was diagnosed, uh, late in college. And so I sort of started gathering information about that and saw that PCOS might cause you to have infertility problems. And I knew I wanted to have a child or I thought I wanted to have more than one child back then. And so I started thinking, well, maybe there's something that like doctors can do to kind of like give, maybe I can be on like some sort of medication or something and it'll like cure my PCOS. I really had no idea. (laughs) I had no idea. And I know a lot of a lot of the people who listen to me or who, who follow me on, um, on this podcast or whatever also are in that place. And, um, I remember being there where you just have no idea of what the solutions are available to you. Like what we even know about PCOS as a disorder. So I started gathering information and, um, doing two things at once. I started getting interested in the nutrition PCOS connection, because I saw, um, some people talking about that. And then I started getting interested in, uh, I started seeing different doctors to try to see if there were solutions. So I wanted to see an endocrinologist. Um, I ended up go like, I didn't know what I was doing. So I ended up going to a reproductive endocrinologist, which is like a fertility doctor. Um, and the, the guy was like, why are you here? <laughs> you don't want to get pregnant. And I'm like, no, uh, not yet. But like, I just thought maybe there might be something wrong with me and maybe you could kind of like help me at the time. I thought maybe I had endometriosis or some of these other things. And he essentially told me, he's like, there's really nothing I can do for you except, um, except put you on birth control. And I think you should be on birth control and then come back when you want to get pregnant. And I know so many people have heard that over and over again. It's very dismissive, but it also 
for him, it wasn't done out of place of like, um, malice or, or anything. He just, there just aren't a lot of solutions in the conventional medical world for PCOS. Now, fortunately things have changed a lot, um, in the last, you know, decade in the way that we treat PCOS, because now it's pretty well understood that PCOS is a new, does have a strong nutritional component. And there are many different um, organizations that believe that nutrition should be the first line treatment for PCOS. So we're really changing our paradigm about that. But at the time when I was going through this, that was not the case. I even had a doctor tell me that there was nothing that I could do with food um, to help my symptoms. And she even said like, oh, well, processed food has vitamins in it. So, you know, you should eat more. You can eat that and you'll like, you don't need to take vitamins because if you eat processed food, then you'll get your vitamins. So that's the kind of nutrition education that I was getting at the time. And the thing was that it never sat well with me. None of this stuff sat well with me. And so I said, you know, I'm going to do some research. So I started Googling. I started reading blogs. Blogs were really big at the time. Um, this was pre pre podcasts being big. Like, I mean, it was blogs. And I started getting into uh, something called paleo, which you may have heard before. It's a type of nutrition that's based on like ancestral principles of how people would have eaten pre-agricultural era. And I found it really fascinating. I thought there was a lot of truth to it. Um, I, I liked the whole foods focus of it. I felt like that made a lot of sense to me. So I started dipping my toe in the water of that. And I did notice that whenever I would do that pretty consistently, I, I felt a lot better. Um my body, just like I could tell it would get less inflamed. And, uh, so, so that was really beneficial for me. Um, now where I went wrong there was kind of like wholeheartedly sort of dunking myself into that pool and saying, you know, I got very, um, (laughs) very specific about, uh, paleo is the way. Uh, started treating nutrition like a religion, which I tell everybody not to do. And I tell y'all not to do that because I did that. And what you learn, um, you may be in school right now, you may be thinking about going to school for nutrition, but what you learn in your higher education as a nutritionist is that there are no black and white rules with nutrition. I mean, besides maybe like eating, not eating trans fats, um, but everything else is pretty much up for interpretation. Every food has beneficial properties and most foods also have properties that could be damaging to human health. And it all depends on the proportions, how much of them you eat, um, you know, what, what nutrients your body needs. Everything is truly very individual. I think there's a set of overarching principles that most people do well on, but you learn to not vilify food when you go through higher education and nutrition. So, um, that's one thing that, that my master's degree sort of beat out of me was this obsession with teaching people paleo, um, and getting very caught up in, in a specific diet and instead taught me to look at a person as an individual and figure out what might work best for them. So, um, but I do credit that experience of like, learn. that was the first time I really tried anything with nutrition, like besides just starving myself <laughs> to lose weight. You know, when I was in high school or college, I really would just like not eat very much. You know, I just like said, skip meals. I'd eat like a thousand calories and, 
and the weight would, you know, come off, but I always like had this sort of like inflamed stomach. I had a lot of digestive issues. I had, um, IBS symptoms growing up, like a lot of acne, a lot of like dark circles under my eyes, skin tags, all these kinds of things that are all nutrition related. And when I started doing paleo, a lot of that stuff started going away. And that's the time of my life when I figured out that how important protein was. I figured out, oh, I can prevent myself from having these hypoglycemic episodes if I just make sure that I eat meat with my meals. Um, I learned a lot of stuff during that time. And that really was the um, initial inspiration for me to become more interested in nutrition. So I kept reading these blogs. I kept reading books. Um while I was in the late stages of working at this foster care agency, I started picking up, um, internship opportunities. What happened there is that welcome to the alchemy of natural healing. I'm your host, Laurel Dewey. True healing is an alchemical process, meaning it must transform you on all levels, body, mind, and spirit. What affects one affects all three. True healing is one of the hardest journeys you'll ever travel, but it's one of the most rewarding and fulfilling when you get to meet yourself for the first time. If you're ready to take that journey, let's get started. I really wanted to go into nutrition. It was like my dream. I would fantasize about it. I There was this one blogger who I um, really admired, and I saw how she was making a living just like writing about nutrition. And um, she, wrote a, she wrote books, and, and I just thought, wow, that, that's the dream, right? Like that's the life. And being so inspired by her, I also felt it was something very unattainable, um, to do that. I just felt like I had people in my life say like, how would you make money at that? You know, talking about being a nutritionist. And I thought, well, maybe they're right. You know, how do you make money doing that? And only a certain percentage of people can end up being these like really popular bloggers who get to make money off of their blog. Right. So does that even leave room for me? And, um, I talk about that only because so often when I'm talking to a nutrition student or somebody who's interested in, in this field, what I see them doing is letting their fear hold them back. They're so afraid that they're not going to be able to be successful um, or that there's not going to be enough work for them or whatever. And don't get me wrong. I understand like life has confounding factors. I was very lucky that I had a supportive partner who kind of helped me during the early stages um, so that I didn't have to finance the whole venture myself. I also was raised by parents who were self-employed. Um, my parents own a business. And so I never actually had a parent who went to a nine to five job. So I was already very familiar with the way it feels to be an entrepreneur. Um, I grew up under entrepreneurs. And so I knew, I knew the highs and lows of that. I was comfortable. <laughs> I was comfortable with the trauma of that. Um, so that wasn't as scary to me as it is for some people. I know for some people just getting out of your like typical nine to five, somebody's paying you a paycheck to start your own thing is like, Oh my God, I could never. Um, so 
I see a lot of people holding themselves back and it makes me sad because I think there's a lot of talent that never kind of gets, um, shared with the world because too many people are, have such low self-worth, self-confidence and are afraid. I see a lot of people too, who think I can't share with others or I can't help others because I'm still sick myself or I still have issues with how I do nutrition. I'm not perfect yet. I'm not a perfect role model yet. Um, The thing is, you don't have to be a perfect role model to be good at your job. Like I certainly, um, I dealt with a lot of my health issues while I was already a nutritionist running a private practice. And those were the things that I still had to work through on my own, but it didn't mean that I wasn't also really good at helping other people with their health issues, if that makes sense. So If you're passionate about something, you're passionate about gathering information and the clients that come to you are people who are really ready for change. You can help people even if you are not where you want to be yet. And I would argue that especially people who are interested in nutrition, I think we all tend to be a little bit, I don't know, maybe a little anal, a little perfectionistic. There's always something more we could be doing. Um, We can get caught up in cycles like that, right? So you've got to stop letting your fear hold you back. You've got to stop letting yourself feel like everyone else is better at this than you, or everybody else has more to offer than you do, or they're more secure in their lives. Um, they're, you know, they're whatever, prettier, thinner, healthier. They eat more vegetables. I don't know. You name it. Like those are all insecurities that I had for a long time. So, um, don't let that stuff hold you back. Don't because people, will come to you. I think people actually prefer practitioners who have had their own health struggles because it's like, you can relate to what they're going through. Um, and that's really, really valuable. So don't discount that anyway. Okay. I'm off my soapbox on that. So it was coming to the end of my time in the foster care world. I knew I needed to do something different. And I thought that I might want to become a counselor. I was still too afraid to pursue nutrition because I just felt like, you know, I I'm, I just thought there's no way I could be good at this, which is sad because I am actually really good at being a nutritionist. I'm excellent. But at the time I thought, nah, there's no way. So I thought maybe I'd be good at being a counselor. You know, people do love to tell me their secrets. Boy, oh boy. I, I meet somebody and I kid you not. I know so many people's secrets, like people I barely even know will tell me stuff. And I'm like, you really, (laughs) I don't know why you're telling me this, but I'm also a good secret keeper, I will say. Um, But yeah, I there's something about me where people kind of want to share stuff with me. And that has served me really well in nutrition, actually. So if you're that type of person, that might um, that might be a strength for you as well. But I thought, well, that might make, make me a good counselor. So I applied to counseling school. Um, I applied to get a master's in social work so that I could then go on and get my master's of social work licensed counselor of social work, I think it's called. So I could work anywhere as a counselor. Um, and I got the acceptance letter to the program. And the problem was that I felt absolutely no joy. I felt no fear, but I also felt no joy. I just felt nothing. I was numb. And I thought I'm about to commit myself to like a six year process, right? Because school, then internships, do I really want to do this? If I'm not excited about this, what does that mean? What does that say? Uh, do I have the heart to stick it through with something that I have no feelings towards? 
And I realized when I got that letter that it really just wasn't the right fit for me. Um, and I didn't really want to do it. I was just kind of like picking something that I felt like wouldn't look good on paper or might seem like it matched me on paper. If that makes sense. I was doing like the, the thing that like people would always tell me, Oh, you'd be a great counselor. And so I was doing the thing that other people said that I should do. And that's mistake number one, guys, you've got to do what you really want to do, whatever it is that you are called to do. Um, that's your thing. And don't worry if other people don't get it because gosh, I'm really looking for a good cliche to say right now, but you know, revolutionaries, they're always the first person to do things right. They're always ahead of their time. It's okay to be ahead of your time. Um, we need, somebody has to do it, right? Um, so if your circle of people doesn't think that nutrition is a viable career, well, first of all, they're wrong because this is, this industry is growing all the time. But second of all, like if this is something that you are passionate about, who cares what they think? Honestly, prove them wrong, prove them wrong. That feeling of like righteous indignation got me through so many difficult moments in my master's program. Cause I'm just like, I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to prove them wrong. That's big Scorpio energy there, guys. I'm going to prove them wrong. And, um, and I did, but, um, yeah, I got the letter, didn't feel any joy. And that's when I knew I still need to leave my job because I am very unhappy here, but I need to do something different. So I applied, uh, I started looking around at becoming a nutritionist. And this is where I'm going to get into a little bit of the nitty gritty of, of that stuff. So this part might be a little bit boring if you don't want to hear about like the actual, like way I picked out how, what license I was going to do and, um, what pathway I was going to do, then you might want to skip ahead probably about 15 minutes. Um, but for those of you who ask, because I do get asked this a lot, I'm a CNS, a certified nutrition specialist, and I'll put in the description box, a link to a, um, Healthline article that lists out the differences between a nutritionist, a dietitian, um, a CNS, like what the differences are there and the commonalities. Because the CNS is an alternative pathway to licensure. There are only two different types of nutrition professionals you can be and be like fully licensed by your state to actually practice something called medical nutrition therapy. Um, which is like nutrition that's very specifically helping people with health issues. There's gray areas with all this stuff, and it definitely depends what state you're in. I'm in Texas, and Texas is what's called a green state. So there's really not any laws about who can practice nutrition here. There are just laws about who can call themselves a registered dietitian. Um, but everyone else can practice any kind of nutrition that they pretty much want. Um, and that may have changed or I may be slightly wrong about that, but that's my understanding. Okay. I'm not a lawyer. There are several states like that. Most states are like that. And then you've got some states that are kind of in the middle. They offer a pathway to licensure, uh, for, of course, registered dietitians that across the board, across the entire United States, like an RD can, can be state licensed. Like that's usually like the go-to state license, right? But then some states also offer a pathway to licensure for non-RD nutrition professionals. Um, and the only one that's usually allowed is the CNS. Um, so 
in several states, you can get a state license there as well. And then there are a couple of states that are really, really strict and you have to be a, an RD to practice there. But that's the exception to the rule. Most states are, have a lot more freedom than that. Um, so the thing is, for me, the reason I decided to become a CNS and not an RD there were kind of two big reasons at the time. And my opinions on a lot of the stuff have changed over the years, but at the time I didn't really want to be associated with the American Dietetics Association. I kind of like felt like they were in bed with big business and um, I didn't really approve of the way that a lot of I that I saw a lot of dietitians practicing nutrition. And that's still true. I see a lot of people I see a lot of people without a lot of higher education practicing dietetics. And just kind of not really understanding the deeper mechanisms behind how the body functions, like the biochemistry of food, uh, giving kind of like canned diet protocols to people like this is the diabetes diet, you know, and not really able to kind of think more critically. And I think that's across the board for, I see that a lot with like just people in general who don't take the time to further their education in the, in the topic, because there's so much to learn about nutrition. You really can't learn all of it in one program. Like I certainly didn't learn all of it in my master's program. I had to go back and learn a lot of things on my own. I had did continuing uh, certifications and things like that. It has to really be a passion for you, I guess I should say. Um, cause I've seen some non-licensed nutrition professionals who like have been grandfathered in, for example, I've been practicing this for a long time and they don't have a higher level degree, but boy, can they like, they are healers, you know? So the whole licensure thing, it's like, it's a necessary evil in my mind back then. I wanted to have something that would be legitimate. I wanted to have something that would give me a lot of uh, freedom and I wanted to be recognized in high and high esteem by other medical professionals. So that's why I chose the CNS um, the other reason was because I didn't really want to go back and get another bachelor's degree. And so in order to become an RD, I would have had to do that. And I just didn't really want to do that. I wanted to go straight to a master's. So, um, so I took that alternative pathway, um, the CNS or the RD, both very well-respected credentials. There's a, a little bit of drama on it. I'll be honest. Cause, uh, some, professionals are not kind of taught about the different types of the different pathways to licensure in different States, but that's a topic for another time. When you have, when you are a CNS, you are trained very, very thoroughly trained in how to help people with health issues manage through nutrition. You're trained in supplementation use. Um, what I would advise anyone against doing is doing one of these like nine month courses or getting like a health coach certification. Now, if you want to be a health coach, AKA you want to help people with accountability and support, um, but not so much design plans for them. There is definitely a field for that. Like I have a functional medicine health coach on my staff and she's trained specifically in functional medicine, health coaching, which is its own thing. She has a lot of skills that I don't have skills for helping people stick to their goals and, and all those kinds of things, but she's not able to create like targeted plans for people by law. She's only allowed to kind of do more general nutrition advice, right. Or to help implement something that a higher level 
practitioner does. So it, it all really depends on what you want to do. But if you want to do like what I do or what like a registered dietitian can do, you need to get that higher level certification. So either pathway is, is acceptable depending on where you live. Um, I chose the CNS and I ended up going to, um, that that's run through the board for certification for nutrition specialists, um, the BCNS and the American nutrition association, they merged uh, a couple of years ago. So if you want to find out all their requirements and stuff, go there, but they have a list of uh, approved programs to where if you go through that master's program, you'll have all, you'll meet all the educational requirements for the license. And then you'll just have to do your practicum hours and you have to do about a thousand hours of practicum and then keep up with continuing education. Um, there's a proctored exam that you have to go to a special location to take. Um, and you can't use your phone. So you do have to know your stuff to get the the license, but it's a process you'll get there eventually. And the first step is to get into a, a good master's program. So I ended up going to Saybrook university, which was one of their approved programs. I had a great time in that program. I, I really enjoyed my time there. Um, as far as I know, very few of the professors that were there when I was there are still there. So I can't say anymore, but I have several friends that are in, um, in the program at Saybrook and have lots of good things to say about it. I picked that school too, cause they had a real holistic focus. Um, they kind of do a lot of like woo woo wee stuff, mind body stuff in their other programs. And, uh, Nutrition was like their most straight laced, <laughs> their most straight laced program, but I'm very fascinated with mind body medicine and stuff like that. And so I kind of wanted to be around those people and just absorb some of that. See if maybe I wanted to pursue a little bit of that as well. So that's why I picked them, but I had a great experience going through a master's degree in nutrition is, um, it is a lot more than you think it's going to be, um, I picked their program also because it was specialized in integrative and functional nutrition. That's the name of my master's degree. I said, I have a master's of science in integrative and functional nutrition. And I picked that because I wanted those words. I wanted the functional word. Um, but I also wanted what that represented, which is a focus on deeper root causes in the body, a focus on looking at the body as a set of systems that are all connected rather than saying, oh, you have heart disease. So let's put you on a heart diet. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm looking at things more holistically, looking at your, your whole experience of life, not just the food that you eat, but also the culture you were raised in, um, the way you grew up, your traumas, your, uh, sleep, your, all these foundational pillars of health. And I'm putting all that together into a plan. And I really like that. That's, I had learned about functional medicine right before I kind of like got into it, into the master's program. And I was just fascinated by it. I thought this is so cool. I really want to do this. Um, at the time, like nobody knew what it was, at least not in my area. And so I would have to explain it. What is functional nutrition? What is functional nutrition? And I had to explain it over and over again, but these days it's a lot more common. A lot of people do it. Um, and that's been cool to see because I think we need more people doing that. It's also that we've also gotten into a place where a lot of people are kind of using that word to rope people in and they're not actually practicing functional nutrition or medicine, but you know, there's only so many battles one can fight. Um, I will say if you're looking for somebody in that field, you want to look for somebody who, uh, is not just a, not just a supplement pusher. 
Okay. If they're giving you like a hundred different supplements, uh, or they want to run a hundred different diagnostic tests, that's not functional medicine. Um, because <laughs> you have to be able to look deeper than all those things at a person. And I really think to do it well, it takes a certain kind of mind, a certain skill. But, um, if you're listening to this, you might have that kind of mind and that kind of skill. So definitely think about it. Just do the work. So, um, I got some of that in my master's, but I didn't feel like I got really enough of that. And so, um, after that point, I took a little bit of time off and that's when I started, working on my IFMCP Institute for Functional Medicine certified practitioner, which is through the Institute for Functional Medicine. And that's the organization that I'm associated with. They're kind of like the big name in functional medicine. Um, they mostly license or not license. Sorry. It's not a license. They mostly certify doctors, um, nurse practitioners, you know, uh, physicians, assistants, other medical professionals. Um, but they also do nutritionists. And in order to qualify for their program, you have to be a licensed nutritionist, either a registered dietitian or a CNS. So that's another thing is like, look at the things that you might potentially want to do in the future and, um, kind of make sure that you're going to be able to meet those qualifications with whatever you're doing. So like, for example, I wanted to do the CNS. So that really ruled out a lot of the local colleges, um, for me, because if I just did a regular, um, masters of nutrition, I wouldn't have met all the educational requirements. So I would have had to gone back somewhere else and taken specific courses to make it up. And I just didn't want to do that. I wanted to get it all done in one shot. So that's, that's another thing that I'm glad I did. And it took me a lot of time to research and figure out, but I would highly suggest to you is like, look at these organizations that you might want to be a part of one day and what are their qualifications for their different for their different licenses or their different certifications or whatever, and make sure that you are, you know, meeting those prerequisites now or working towards that now, or that you have a pathway towards that. Um, you may not ever end up doing that. You know, you might go in a different direction, but at least you'll have laid the groundwork for it. And I think that's so important. I'm so glad I did that. I actually didn't do that when it comes to like the Institute for Functional Medicine thing. Um, I just sort of assumed that a CNS would be accepted. And actually they weren't accepted until like a few years ago, but it ended up working out because that was about the time that I wanted to actually enroll in the program. So here we are. Um, I'm about halfway through with that. It's going to take me another couple of years. It's a really long program, but I have learned a ton about functional, um, functional medicine specifically, but also functional nutrition doing that. I will say like my master's degree, I think, and my private practice have prepared me more for the nutrition side, but I have learned a lot of the science, um, a lot of the more back end stuff. And then a lot of like the medical side from taking this credential, um, the nutrition education is like helpful if you've never had nutrition education before, but it can sometimes be a little bit surface level. So, um, you know, I think if you're planning to become a functional medicine practitioner, you might think about like getting a nutrition. I mean, ideally you'd have a nutrition degree as well. Uh, I think a lot of people dismiss nutrition thinking that it's just something that's like, Oh, I'll just tell people to eat whole foods and like, or I'll tell them to eat this specific type of diet. And, and as long as I know my for lack of a better term, know my shit about supplements or whatever, then I can kind of like make up the difference. But honestly, functional medicine is 
nutrition. I mean, that's the core. And so, um, if you don't have good nutrition training and education, I'd highly recommend it. Um, you know, as a higher level medical professional, you don't have to have that in order to provide nutrition education. I think that that should change. Um, I think the nutrition professional needs to be a more highly respected member of the team. I can tell you that the people that I cross refer with here in town, they highly value the work that I do because they know that nutrition is not just this basic thing. It's very complex, but I think until you've lived through that, you, it's hard to, to know that. So if you're starting out and you're not planning to go the nutrition route, but a different route, you know, you might think about adding that in. Um, but most of you I know want to be nutritionists, which is great. We need lots more nutritionists. So let's see. I graduated from from um, my master's program. I actually started my practice when I started my master's because, like I said, I live in Texas, so there's nothing saying that I can't. And I thought I'd pick up some clients and kind of get some experience so that when I officially graduated, I could feel good about, you know, it wasn't like wasn't going to be my very first client ever. So I did some work early on in my, early on in my practice, I did a lot of weight loss work. And that is kind of one of those necessary evils of nutrition uh, work in order to build a private practice more quickly. Um, you may have to do some stuff that you kind of like are not super excited about. I don't mind helping people lose weight. I, I think my opinion on weight loss is a little bit more nuanced than I see a lot of people's opinions being these days. People are either like very pro weight loss, like it's the only thing that matters, or they're very anti, like even paying attention to weight. Like everything has to be intuitive eating. I'm like, can't we find something in the middle? Like you know what I mean? Like it doesn't need to be that intense. Um, I think it's fine, um, to want, to want to lose weight. I think it's fine to want to have a certain image. Um, I also think that weight loss can, can, and is an important part of the, uh, process of getting healthier for a lot of people, but it's not everything. And it certainly shouldn't be your like main goal. I think when it's your main goal, unless you're like a, like a bodybuilder type, if weight loss is your main goal, I very rarely see that working out as being long-term successful. And that's one of the reasons I don't push it so much in my practice. But anyway, at the beginning, um, I did a lot of weight loss work and that's how I got my feet wet in nutrition. That's how I really like learned about how the metabolism works. Um, I learned a lot during that time. I did, I did some keto programs. You probably, if you've listened to any of my past podcasts, you know that I used to do a lot of keto for a while. Um, so I've tried it all and, um, it was interesting. I gathered a lot of data during that time. Um, then I did my practicum with another nutritionist. Actually during that whole time when I was in school, I picked up a couple of internships and, um, I, I did a practicum. So I, I actually studied under three different nutritionists and I was very lucky to be able to do that. Cause I know it can be hard to find a placement in nutrition, but, uh, I did, so I actually worked for the blogger who I admired so much. Um, she had like an unpaid internship that she offered, um, to help her kind of run the back end of her blog. And, and that was a really great experience. I learned a lot from her. Um, and then she converted it later into a paid position. So I worked for her for a little while. I used to do some ghost blogging for her, did some like affiliate linking for her and things like that. So I learned a lot about how to run a a blog and a social media kind of thing. 
Um, and then I worked for a local nutritionist as a office assistant and got to shadow her sometimes. And she had a very popular podcast. So I kind of like picked up a lot of these different things about how different people ran things, how they thought about nutrition. Uh, and it was really, really fascinating. I learned a lot and I learned, I learned what I wanted to do. And I also learned what I didn't want to do. And the experiences were not completely positive. Um, certain individuals that I worked for, I had a hard time, um, personality clashes, you know, disagreements about, I mean, I never spoke up and said anything cause I'm like, keep stuff to myself, but it, there was one nutritionist who was a little difficult to work under, um, because she was just different <laughs> and we'll just leave it at that. But I learned a lot from her. And so I'm very grateful for her. And then I ended up doing my practicum under another nutritionist, um, local nutritionist. And I had a great experience there. She was very helpful with me, really helped me get on my feet. And I'm like forever grateful to her. Um, ended up having to part ways with her, uh, towards the end because I was just ready to do my own thing, but I had a really good experience with her. She actually, uh, helped me get some of my first clients and, uh, we did like a profit sharing thing. So she gave me an office and I didn't have to pay, uh, rent on the office, but I did give her a percentage of whatever I made from new clients. And that helped me a lot because I was able to build the foundation of my practice on, on that. Um, I would say like in the early years of practicing nutrition, I kind of just took whoever wanted to work with me. I, I, I tried to start specializing. I knew I wanted to work in hormones and I really wanted to work with PCOS, but I didn't feel comfortable just specifically doing that at the beginning. I really wanted to learn to try different things. And I also just kind of like needed the money. So it was like, whoever wanted to work with me, I was like, sure, let's do it. Um, but I think in those early years too, one of the mistakes that I made was I didn't value my own education or experience enough. Um, I had pretty low self-worth and I didn't feel like, um, I didn't feel like I could charge very much. And I don't really want to get too much into like charging and pricing and stuff like that in this podcast. Cause we're already getting on 52 minutes here. I may do another one. If you are interested in this kind of stuff, like if this, if you really like this and you want me to do more business podcasts, um, I'm thinking about it. So you help me a lot. If you either email or fill out that Google form that says questions for the podcast that you can find in the description box. And you don't necessarily have to have a question, just use the little box to kind of tell me like, Maybe if you'd like to hear about certain topics with this or whatever, and that would help me a lot to know that you, you guys are interested in this. But one of the biggest mistakes that I think I made at the beginning, um, was not charging enough. I did find that over time, as I began to charge more, as I began to char charge for what my time was actually worth and how much effort I spent outside of appointments on people, I actually started to build up more of a clientele because there is something to the idea that like people, they want to invest in something. If the nutrition is too easy, if it's, if it's too inexpensive, it's almost like it doesn't motivate them. Money is a big motivator for people. And so, um, I started moving towards a package process as well, kind of charging people up front for working with me. And that helped a lot with people, you know, dropping out. And I'd had put all this work in 
what you'll find is as a nutritionist, you do a lot of your work at the beginning of working with someone. Like the major work that you do is there because you're making their meal plan. You're thinking about what you want to do with them over the next however many months. Like you're planning ahead. You're giving them all kinds of documents and and things and all that's worth money. All your time with all that stuff is worth money. And, uh, if you sign on a new client, say you have one visit with them, you do all this work and then they only come for one follow-up appointment. Uh, not only is it very disappointing because you don't get to see any of your stuff in action, but it's also, you end up losing money on that. Um, if you're really trying to make a living at this. So I started moving towards charging people up front. And that has worked really, really well in my practice. It's like a commitment. People are signing up. They're committing to the process and I'm committing to them. They're committing to me and something about that's very motivating for people. And I find that I get better outcomes. I have better retention. Um, and I just really like working like that. So I would, I'd highly suggest that to anyone starting out. Um, I know it's scary to do that though. I know it's scary, scary to do that. It's scary to charge, um, for your services. I think at the beginning of when I first started my vibrant health, um, program, which is like my, my kind of main program. Uh, I did six months of working with me for like $300, (laughs) which I don't know, maybe sounds like a lot to you at the time. I was like, I felt like a lot to me, but now looking back, I'm like, wow, I can't believe like $300 is like, I mean, that really doesn't even cover a lot of the stuff that I do in that first session, um, with a person, if you count all the work outside. So, uh, so yeah, don't undercharge at the beginning, even if you're brand new, you, if you have a, a higher level degree, like you're entitled to charge for that. And, you know, that's part of what you're charging for is you have to pay back your loans. Um, you have to cover what you've put in to this process. All your education is worth, it's worth money. Um, so don't forget that. Don't let your fear about people rejecting you get in the way of you charging what you're worth. I actually think that it works the opposite way. It's like signaling to these people that, Hey, like I'm a serious professional. I take myself seriously. I'm going to take you seriously. I'm going to put in a lot of work for you. If my meal plan's only 50 bucks, how much work am I really doing for you? You know what I mean? Like people might see that and say, Hmm, if you tell somebody something's worth $50, they're going to agree it's worth $50. Uh, but you know how much your time is worth. So don't undercharge. And I actually think you end up building a better clientele that way. I found that the more I charged, the more I would get these soulmate clients. This also happened the longer that I was in practice. So the better I got at the things that I liked to do, and the more I specialized in things that I really enjoyed, the more I brought in clients who really resonated with me and I resonated with them. Um, and that was really key. I didn't start specializing from the very beginning. Maybe I could have, I don't know. Um, but I can't tell you to do something that I, I wouldn't, I'd hadn't done myself at the beginning. I, I took whatever I could. I learned a lot. And then I realized that my original intention to specialize in hormones and PCOS and fertility was really what I wanted to do. And so I kept just gradually niching, niching, niching. When I stopped working with the nutritionist who I had done my practicum under, uh, and moved to my very first office 
by myself, that's when I really made the cut and said, okay, I'm only working with women's health issues now. And then from there, um, at that time I was going through IVF. Um, I was pregnant. And so I had my son, I took a little time off when I came back. It was, uh, (laughs) Well, I actually came back right at the start of the pandemic, but, uh, when I did come back, I said, okay, now I'm really specializing even further. I'm specializing only in, you know, infertility, PCOS, um, and like women's autoimmune issues. Right. And so then, um, the next year when my TikTok started like taking off, I was able to really niche down and say, I only really work with, with these certain things. And from there, you know, I've just taken what I've, what I've taken. I don't just work. I feel like it's important to say this because the niching conversation, I think can get a little bit overkill. Like sometimes PCOS, I mean, that's what I want to work with. That's what I like working with. Right. But sometimes I get the urge to do something different, you know, like sometimes I want to work with GERD or I want to work with, um, Hashimoto's or whatever it may be. So I always, I have people apply to work with me. They fill out a form and I read through their form and I get an energetic feel for like this person. What are they like? Do I think we'll get along? Um, do I think that we will make a good team that we'll make a good fit? And if they want to do something that's like sort of outside of my realm of, of expertise or something that I'm not as familiar with working with or something that I haven't worked with in a while, sometimes I'll take them on just to keep my skills sharp, to do something different, to get more experience, to learn more, um, to test new things that I've learned out. You know, when I learn new stuff through the IFM, like I love to test that out. So It doesn't mean when you niche that you absolutely have to only do that, but it does give you this opportunity to say, to really weed out a lot of people that you're just not interested in working with. Um, And it also helps people to know what you're good at. So you kind of have to signal to them, like, this is what I'm good at. And if you have these things, you can come to me and you know that you're going to have a good experience. Whereas if you're coming to me for things that I, I don't overtly say I'm good at, I might still be good at them. Right. And if you really feel called to work with me specifically, because there's just something about me or whatever it may be, you know, we may be a, a great fit and we may be able to do some really good work. I've done some really fantastic, um, work with GERD, um, with, EOE with certain autoimmune issues outside of my work with PCOS that I have really, really enjoyed. Um, but specializing and niching down has, has given me that sort of clientele that really is what I know I'm good at, what I enjoy working with, etc. So, um, in the early days of my practice, I, financially, I was not probably able to support myself completely. Um, like I said, I was married, my husband worked. And so he helped with that. So I know, (laughs) I know that it's scary to think about that because you might not have that luxury. And so you may be having to support yourself all on your own. There are a lot of different ways that you can do nutrition work, um, and start your private practice without, sort of 
just immediately jumping in. Like you could work for a doctor, you could work for another nutritionist, you know, doing like lower level stuff, health coaching or helping with meal plan prep, um, that kind of stuff. And then you can start your own private practice on the side. I would highly, highly recommend that if you are in school or thinking about going to school, that the very first thing you do is start an Instagram, um, start a TikTok. I know people turn their nose up at TikTok, but TikTok is where I get the majority of my clients from. That has been a complete game changer for me. It's definitely a much more oversaturated market now than it was when I first started it. But you know, now is a good a time as any, like make a TikTok, <laughs> um, or make an Instagram or both just do something, something social media, because these days that's where a lot of your referrals are going to come from. And that's also where you network with local professionals who, who also either do the same thing or they do complementary things. So I have several different types of practitioners in town who refer to me. I refer to them, counselors, therapists, chiropractors, pelvic floor therapists, doctors, um, networking is really key. Uh, one of the nutritionists I worked for took me around to different doctor's offices for networking, you know, and I, (laughs) it was a good idea. I think 10 years ago, it probably would have worked really well, but these days, most networking happens via social media, especially since the pandemic. Um, and so I would highly recommend like having a presence on social media of some kind. Don't do the thing where you buy followers. That doesn't work. You have terrible engagement rates with that and your content's not going to go to the people that need to see it. Just work gradually on providing valuable information, um, on educating people and people really respond to that. Uh, the other piece of advice that I would give via social media, and I can do another podcast specifically on social media strategy, but I'm certainly not like the best social media person out there. You know, I don't have like a ginormous following on Instagram, but what I do focus on is like, I don't, I try not to gatekeep information as much as I can. There are certain things that I just can't share over Instagram because it's too specific and I have to stay more general or because it violates certain ethical laws to do it. But overall, I just share information and I don't try to say like, oh, work with me for the rest of the information, you know, because I think, um, people don't like that. They don't like to be sold to. And also like, if they really like you, they'll appreciate your candor, your openness, the fact that, Hey, you gave them all this great free information. They still will want to work with you one-on-one because they know that there's things that you probably know that you can't convey on Instagram. So you don't have to worry about that. I I used to work with somebody who was really paranoid about that. And she wouldn't put, she wouldn't put any real information on her social media. She would just kind of, it was like little mini ads every time she posted and it didn't go anywhere. And that's, it's because people are looking for value. They want something that they can actually use that they can actually implement. So I do a ton of free stuff. Um, I, and I always have done that even before I started social media, I did read, I did free blog posts. I've done this podcast, I've done all these things to try to give people the information that they need as much as I can. And I've just done that knowing that putting that kind of energy out there will bring things to me in return and that the right people will want to work with me. Um, and so far it's served me really well. So if you want to follow what I did, that's what I did. Um, 
but yeah, I highly recommend starting some type of social media because that's where a lot of your clients are going to come from is on social media. And honestly, people don't care. Like, I mean, they do care, but they, you're still going to get clients even if you only have 200 followers. Okay. Like it's the follower count thing doesn't matter as much as you providing like really good information and them knowing like, Hey, you're local or, or you work online. Another piece of advice I would give is don't limit yourself to just being local these days. If you have an online presence, um, it's great. And there are laws about that. You have to look at the laws in each different state, but, um, you know, don't limit yourself to just like working one-on-one in person. Um, if you, especially if you want to niche down a lot, so look at, you know, familiarize yourself with the laws and your licensing board will help you do that. And then you can maybe do some telehealth, um, as well. So that's a lot. (laughs) This is an hour and seven minutes. So this has been a lot in one podcast and I'm going to, stop it here. But if you enjoyed today, um, like I said, please leave a review. Um, you know, five stars guys. Don't, don't be the person who gives four stars. That's just, it's just mean. Um, please leave a review. If you enjoyed today, if you got value out of it and please, 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 like I said, fill out the podcast Q and a form and let me know if you liked this. And if you want to see more of this, cause honestly, I kind of want to do more of this, but I like, I'm like, it's like one of those things where I'm like, eh, should I, should I dive into this or should I not? Um, I know I listen to another nutritionist who has a podcast and she does a lot of business podcasts. And I like love those podcasts. I listen to them every time she puts one out. I'm like, Ooh, so I thought, huh, maybe I should do them also because I get a ton of questions on it. So if you liked it, let me know and I'll do more. But yeah, I hope you guys have a really good uh, week and we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye-bye. If you learned something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both, I'd love it if you would leave me an iTunes review and share this with a friend. If this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer, there is a Google form that you can use to ask me any question you want, and I might answer it here on the podcast. I do it all the time, and I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.